Do you know the story of Sisyphus? According to Greek mythology, Sisyphus was the king of what we know as Corinth. And because of his craftiness, he had a really interesting curse given to him. Every day, he would get up and have to roll a huge boulder up to the top of a hill, only to find the boulder roll back down again. And he would do this every day for eternity. I think it's time for us to take a time out in our study of unlikely leadership because sometimes as we take those small steps on the long runway of God's purpose, it can feel like it's all about us. It's about us being available. It's about us taking action. It's about us being adaptable. It's about us being accountable. But what I want to tell you is as we get to the end of this study, It is a lot about making personal decisions that allow us to be used for God's glory. But ultimately, if we're going to find the true rest and the true promise in our leadership story, we have to recognize that the only way that we're able to accomplish God's vision for us as unlikely leaders is to allow him to do the work. You know, we have looked at so many characters in the Bible that have given us examples about ways to lead. But ultimately, the story of Jesus and the way that he thought about his relationship with the disciples is such a great picture that should give us confidence and it should also give us real peace that it's not about us. It's about allowing him to do the work in our lives, but being able to take action when we feel him pulling us and pushing us into service for him. You know, when I think about the 12 disciples, I am just amazed about the way that those men were able to accomplish so much with such interesting backgrounds. Many of them were uneducated. Many of them had jobs in um, what we would call industries that were looked down on. We think about Matthew as a tax collector, for example. But all of them were able to rally in their stories of unlikely leadership because of Jesus's influence in their life. So let's just look at that and let's think about ways that we can allow Jesus to come into our lives to influence us in a way that will allow us to be able not only to grow in our relationship with him, but will allow us to grow in our way that we step out and serve him as we bring glory to God. So to do this, we're going to go to the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at four interactions that Jesus had with various disciples. But the first thing that we're going to look at is how Jesus initiates um, our opportunities to lead. You know, when he is going out to create his bevy of disciples, some of those disciples had been with John the Baptist. And right after that powerful scene where John had really commissioned Jesus and and mentioned him as the Lamb of God. We see this interesting scene in John 1, verse 35, where it says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. How long has it been since you spent a day with Jesus? You know, I love the way that when Jesus saw the interest of those two disciples following him, he turned around, he initiated contact with them. He said, what do you want? And it was in that questioning, it was in that back and forth, 
that I can imagine that they shared some of their dreams, some of their hopes, some of the things that they had learned from John the Baptist. And then Jesus doesn't only listen to them and move on or ask them to just come along, but he goes and he spends time with him. Jesus initiated contact with the disciples. And in that contact, the connection for them to be able to follow him and have a real influence came about. So as you think about the ways that Jesus can intervene in your life, I've just got to ask you, are you making room for that intervention? You know, I think there are two ways that that plays out. One is in the structure of our life. Have we become so busy with the way that we think about the way our family operates, the way our business operates, that we've got everything running in a way that feels like it's on track, that everything that's in place is able to protect and also give us opportunities. But are we allowing enough room in the structure of our life for Jesus to intervene? Do we have space to be able to think about ways that we can bring Jesus into our family in a different way so that we're talking about him, we're looking at, at the way he's at work? Are we thinking in our own businesses or organizations that we're involved in about ways that we can give space for Jesus to intervene, for us to spend time with him and get a real sense of the direction that he would have us to go? So the structure of our lives is a way that we should open up an ability for Jesus to intervene. But if you're at all like me, the real area where I've got to give that ability for Jesus to intervene is in my schedule. I am so tightly scheduled. I think about not only what I want to get done today, but what I want to get done this week, this month. And sometimes when I look at that schedule, I've got everybody else's priorities, including my own, laid out in a way that makes sense but I don't give time for Jesus to just take that schedule and teach me the things that I should be able to listen to so that I can be more effective as a leader for him. You know, Jesus spent the day with these two disciples. And when I read that, I was so convicted of the fact that I don't even have a day in my life that I could just turn over to Jesus and say, I wanna give that to you because I've spent so much time figuring out everything that I've got to get done according to my schedule and according to my plans. And what's so interesting is when we allow Jesus to intervene in our life, to initiate the leadership opportunities because we give him the time, we will see that this notion of being available to him really becomes something that we don't have to worry about as much, but he will take our willingness to allow him to initiate opportunities for us and create availability that will allow us to be able to serve him. So make a day for Jesus. Make time in your schedule, make time in your structures so that you're able to have him not only intervene in your life, but initiate the new opportunities for service to him. So we see how Jesus initiates, but as he deals with his disciples, we also see how Jesus invites you know, after he's had this interaction with two of the disciples, we see him in chapter one, verse 43. And it says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And that was it. Follow me. He didn't go to Philip and say, here's the list of everything you're going to do for me. Here's the list of everything I need for you to accomplish for me. The simple invitation was to follow me. And so as we think about action for Jesus, if you're at all like me, the way that I measure my effectiveness for him is in the amount of action that I focus on. 
But I think what's so nice about the way that Jesus has this conversation with Philip is that he just says, follow me. And part of leadership is being able to be a good follower. I think in my own life about all of the times where I feel like um, part of my responsibility is to step up, to set the agenda, to bring people along with me. But I'm coming to learn more and more in my life that one of the most effective things that I can do to be an unlikely leader is to be an unlikely follower and be willing to give other people the opportunity to lead. Jesus modeled this for us in the way that he asked the disciples to simply follow him. And in doing that, they became leaders of immense consequence. You know, one of the stories that I'll always like to tell is if you uh, spend any time with me, you would learn that one of the um, challenges in my life usually relates to anything electrical or any kind of project in the house. And um, even though I so desire to be a husband that could fulfill a honeydew list well, God has just not blessed me with that aptitude. So we have to bring people in. And oftentimes when a repairman will come to my house and I'm there, he will bring me up and he'll try to show me how I should fix the light or fix something with the garage door and ask me to get involved and even ask my opinion sometimes on things. And all I want to do is to say, let me watch you fix it and I'll follow you. And that to me is the clearest example of what we need to do sometimes in our walk with Jesus. When he says, here's what I'm doing, here's where I'm going, we don't need to give an opinion. We don't need to get involved in a way that could thwart um, the direction that he would have us to go. We just need to simply say, tell me where to go. I'm going to listen. I will follow you. So are you following Jesus? Are you listening to what he's saying when he initiates in your life, when he intervenes in your life? and simply say, I'm willing to go where you would have me to go. When we do that, when we lean on Jesus, it takes a huge amount of pressure off of us to think about this notion of being active for him. Because in the following, we are active in fulfilling his will in our life. So Jesus initiates, and that provides opportunities for availability. Jesus invites, and that provides opportunities for action. But Jesus also should invade our lives. In John chapter 6, we see a really interesting version of the exchange where Jesus walks on the water. And I came, on this, came upon this one this week and it really spoke to me. But it says in John 6, 16, When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Verse 21, Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. That was the part of it that was new to me this week, that last bit that when they were willing to take Jesus into the boat, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. You know, we've talked about this notion of adaptability and finding ways in our own leadership stories to adapt to the situations that we're in where we adapt the means that we use to be able to serve people. 
And we can get very clever about thinking about the different ways that we should adapt. We should get, we can get very um, clever about the kinds of things that we need to learn. But what I loved about this is think about what the disciples had been doing before they were in the boat, right? They had just gone through the feeding of the 5,000. We had seen them involved in all kinds of aspects of Jesus's ministry. And certainly as they dealt with different kinds of people, different kinds of Pharisees, they were having to adapt their style as they worked and walked alongside Jesus. So when they get into this boat, they're exhausted. They're in the boat. A storm comes up and it says that they're afraid. And so in that a desire to adapt, Jesus gets in the boat with them. And it says that they, and I love this in the, the NIV, it says, then they were willing to take him into the boat. Are you willing to let him invade your life and get into your boat? Are you willing for him to invade your mind? Are you willing for him to invade your heart? Are you willing for him to invade the means that you use to be a leader for him? Because when you are, that's how we see a really fresh and different way to think about adaptability. Our style, our hearts, our lives will change when we allow Jesus to invade us in that way. And then when he does it, something miraculous happens. He does the work. We don't have to do the work. We obviously have to listen, we have to respond, but we can depend on him to get us to the shore immediately if we're willing to adapt and allow him to invade every aspect of our lives. So where are those areas in your life where you're just stubborn? You don't want to adapt. You feel like you've got the better plan. You've got the better direction. And Jesus, it's great for us to hear these lessons about you. But at the end of the day, we know what's best for us. I would tell you that as I read John 6, what I take is that we've got to be willing to take Jesus into the boat. We've got to be willing to allow him to invade every aspect of our lives. Because when we do, he will take us to the shore immediately. Now, the shore that we end up might not be the shore where we're expecting to go. But he will take us to the place where he wants us so that we can be of service to him. So, Jesus initiates. Jesus invites. Jesus invades. And then another great example of how Jesus can play a role in our own leadership story is the way that Jesus inquires. You know, last week we talked about accountability and the importance of having accountability in our lives, but we get such a clear, beautiful picture of this in the way that Jesus inquires of Peter after the resurrection. Now, if you remember, Peter had denied Jesus three times. I'm sure there was a sense of shame and guilt about the way that everything had gone down uh, before the crucifixion. But we see these vignettes of Jesus after the resurrection, but this one where he has an opportunity to inquire of Peter, to sit down with Peter and have a conversation, gives us such a great example of the way that Jesus wants to inquire into our lives. He wants to peel back the onion of the things that are hard for us, of the things that we're struggling with. So let's take a look at how he does this by going to John 21. John 21, uh, verse 15 says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Oh, that must have been hard for Peter. Over and over again, Jesus saying, do you love me? And he's saying, yes, Lord, I love you. I know that I have fallen. I know that I failed you before the crucifixion, but I do love you. And Jesus keeps asking over and over again, inquiring, penetrating into Peter's heart. You know, it's so interesting to me that sometimes it takes two or three times for Jesus to truly be able to penetrate our hearts, but he's not going to stop inquiring. He's going to keep digging. He's going to keep asking those hard questions so that we can be at a point where we are in relationship with him and are able to listen to him and follow him in a way that not only brings him glory, but in a way that just deepens our dependence on him. And when he used those words, follow me, once again, I think it was the clearest sign to Peter that we're okay. (laughs) We are in a place where I love you, I know that you love me, and we're going to be able to walk in relationship as we did before. He forgave Peter. And you know what? He forgives you and he forgives me. He forgives us when we fall down in our leadership stories. He forgives us when we fall down into temptation. He forgives us when we fall down in any aspect of our life. But we've got to be willing for him to pry. We've got to be willing for him to inquire of us so that we can get to the point where we not only deal with the sin itself, but we deal with the guilt. Because the thing that can hold us back in that story is if we so struggle with the guilt, the past memories, the things that have happened in our Um, backstory, that we find ourselves unable to move. We find ourselves paralyzed for being able to serve Christ. You all, our leadership stories should not feel like pushing the boulder up, that it's all dependent on us. Our leadership stories should be ones that allow Jesus to do the pushing, that we're there to be available, we're there to act, we're there to be adaptable, we're there to be accountable to each other. But he provides the way to not only empower us, but to give us the peace and the joy to be effective servants for him. Oh, it's so important for us to think about the lens that we want to use for those small steps that we want to take on the long runway of God's purpose. But if we don't recognize that our shepherd is guiding us along every step of the way, and he does it not with just a sense of marching orders, but he does it with a sense of mercy and of grace, we will miss out on the true joy of finding leadership stories that at the end of the day, not only bring glory to God, but draw us into relationship with him.